old-time way quartet. I told them, I said, I want a name for this crowd. And they said, the old-time way quartet. Now, there's five of them. You have to figure out which one don't count. And they all pointed a different one. But anyway, I love to hear these guys sing. We've enjoyed. I was uh, just sitting there thanking the Lord as Brother Sam was playing the offertory tonight. And I heard the choir sing. And, and uh, your singing, it's just been a joy to be in church tonight. And I'm glad that not only I'm saved, I'm glad I am enjoying my Christianity. I'm going to shout when I get to heaven, but if you don't mind, I'll shout on the way. And uh, open your Bibles again to the book of Nehemiah as I preach a message entitled, A Vision and the Will of God. A Vision and the Will of God. I read this uh, today and I thought it was a good statement. A man said to the preacher, were you talking about me in that sermon last Sunday? And the preacher said, yes, but I didn't know it. So if you feel like I'm talking about you tonight, yes, I am. But I didn't know it or I didn't plan it. Nehemiah chapter 1, 5, and 6 is a passage that we read to start with. And Nehemiah begins by going to the king of kings. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, he goes to the king on the earth. And we'll read that in just a moment after I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of being in church today. How many times have I prayed for Michelle's salvation that trusted you as Savior this morning? Many folks have prayed for her and have witnessed to her. And Lord, have prayed and thank you for answering that prayer this morning. Thank you for those that have been saved in the hospital this week. Thank you for those that have been saved on their doorstep, in their living room, along the street corner, on the bus route, in the Sunday school class, in the church services. Thank you for every soul saved. I thank you, Lord, that we get to assist, we get to help in keeping heaven rejoicing. And I rejoice with them tonight in your goodness. And now we come to a new truth, a new sermon, a new time, and how we need your spirit afresh and anew. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible has much to say about having a vision. You've heard me say that there was a time that I desired to do something great for God. And I changed that to saying I desire to give my life to Him, desiring that He would use me in a great way. For I really can't do anything for Him, but a yielded life, God can do a great work through Him. In Nehemiah chapter 1, God goes to the Heavenly Father after hearing the report of how the walls of the city of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates are burned with fire and the people are a reproach. And he hungers, he hungers to rebuild those walls. He tells God, he understands why the city and the people have become a reproach because of their sin. And then he beseeches the Lord that he would help him, that he would use him in rebuilding the walls. Nehemiah chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 5, And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. 
And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. The Bible, throughout its pages, talks about the will of God and having a desire or having a vision to be used of God. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm number 10, verse 17, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine eye to hear. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse number 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I think of the words of Jeremiah where he says, God is speaking here and he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Everyone ought to have a vision or a mission in life for God. Everyone. No matter your age, you're not too old, you're not too young to desire to please God. No matter your background, everyone should have a vision. No matter your pedigree, no matter the obstacle, the handicap, the difficulty, that vision and desire ought to be in the will of God for your life. Now there are many different places that the will of God takes us. When you look at the book of Nehemiah, you see everyone that had a part in the rebuilding of the walls of the city and the revival of the city. There were those that laid brick. There were those that mixed mortar. There were those that played and sang music. There were those that were referred to as laborers. There were organizers. There were ladies that assisted in the rebuilding of the walls. There were cooks. Thank God there were cooks. Thank goodness for that. There were soldiers. There were leaders. There were servants. The word of God, as well as, as well as biographies of great men, helped to form a vision or a mission in my heart and life for God to use my life. When I read the book of Nehemiah as a young teenager, it set a fire in my heart to say, certainly there are many walls that are broken down and many gates burned with fire that need to be rebuilt in our land, God would you allow me to rebuild some of those walls? The book of Ezra and the rebuilding of the temple. The book of Acts and the exciting and on fire church for God that went everywhere preaching the gospel, the building and the battling. The biography of George Mueller, the biography of D.L. Moody, the condensed version of the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and all of those helped to form a vision and a desire for God to use my life. Now here is the message statement I want you to get a hold of tonight. As we seek to fulfill our vision or our mission for God in our lives, we need to understand that every part of our lives lived toward that vision and mission is in the will of God 
and in every part of our life in the will of God brings satisfaction, joy, and gladness. Nehemiah wasn't pleased or filled with joy or gladness just when the wall was finished. He was pleased when the king said, you can go. He didn't have a satisfaction in heart and mind just when the wall was finished. He had a great joy in his life when those men went with him and surveyed the ruins that would one day not be ruins, but it would be used to rebuild the wall around the city. What I want you to understand is that you can be in the will of God and know the joy of the will of God right now and in every part of your life. Now this message came from a burden and a desire for our young people to know and do the will of God. I said it this morning. Yes, we must decry and we must denounce the foolishness that's going on in the world. But we can't spend all of our time saying that's wrong. We must spend a good portion of our time saying this is what's right. Let's do this. I can't just say don't do that. I must say let's do this. And I fear that sometimes folks are looking forward to having the joy of the Lord when you can have the joy of the Lord right now as you seek to do the perfect will of God for your life. So as we seek the will of God in the journey, the journey brings as much joy as the destination. Are you with me tonight? I want to use the illustration in the life of King David as a beautiful example of one that enjoyed the will of God as it seems from his youth all the way through and during his old age. I desire that. I've enjoyed the will of God in my life. I've enjoyed serving the Lord. I am not looking forward to tomorrow so much. I'm not enjoying today. I want to enjoy right now. My heart is filled with joy to know there are folks sitting in this auditorium that were saved just today from the burden of a bus captain to the burden and the heart of a child and the burden of a child for her dad and for her mom. My heart rejoices today in every bus that ran, in every class that was taught, in every song that was sung. Somehow or another, we lose our joy looking for joy when we should be and can be enjoying the joy of the will of God right now. You see, it wasn't just Canaan that gave them joy. It was the marching in the will of God and having faith in the tough times that gave them as much joy as the joy they had when they entered the land of Canaan. Now, I think this evening that we can agree that David was remembered and is remembered for being the king of Israel. He was meant to be the king of Israel. He was once overlooked as a candidate for being the king of Israel. But we know the will of God. That was the specific thing that we think of David in being. And David was a great king. In fact, the Bible says much about King David and his throne. I found at least 29 Bible references to King David and his throne. I believe Christ will come again and will sit on the throne of David and rule and reign for a thousand years during the millennial kingdom. 
Both were shepherd kings. The Lord Jesus is a servant shepherd king. He did not use the sheep to make a great kingdom for himself. He used his ability to love, to protect, and to provide for the sheep. And so we find at the throne of David in the Old Testament and we find the Lord Jesus is a fulfillment of that type of David and his throne. Now, I believe that's what David was meant to do. However, while David was on the throne was not the only time David was in the will of God fulfilling God's will for his life. I want to give you some things tonight, I believe, that could even help a first and second grade student. I want you to hear me. I want you to know it's not the will of God that you look forward to. It's the will of God that you live right now. It's not adults that are fulfilling God's calling in their life that have joy and gladness. It's those that are walking toward and living in the will and the walk and the journey of the will of God that can have that same joy. Every aspect of David's life was enjoyed while in the will of God. From childhood to the throne to his old age and the writing of the Psalms. There are four different times the Bible says this about David. And David behaved himself wisely. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 5, verse number 14, verse number 15, and verse number 30. It tells us that David was in the will of God before he became the king. And I want to say tonight, you don't have to be 30 years old to be in the will of God. You can be in the will of God at 8 years old. And you should be. And you can be in the will of God at 80 years old, and you should be. God's not finished with you, and he's not finished with you until your funeral takes place, and you ought to desire, I want to walk in the will of God today. I think of his childhood and caring for his father's sheep. I think of David learning to play music on the harp. I think of David being anointed, not knowing why he was anointed, And maybe 15 years later finding out that his anointing was that God had chosen him to be the king of Israel. By the way, he was able to fulfill the will of God as the king because as a child, David behaved himself wisely. Many missed the will of God at age 30 because they're disobedient at age 10. Church tonight's not for the adult. Church is night for the children. Church is not tonight just for the senior citizen. Church is tonight for the teenager as well. Everybody ought to hunger and desire and know the joy and blessing of being in the will of God. Every aspect of his life in the will of God was as important as every part of his life. Let's walk through some of them. Think of David learning to play the harp. I don't know if he took lessons or if he taught himself, but he learned. I imagine he plucked a few wrong strings. I can hear his mama say, "Uh, David, I think you need to practice that song a little bit more. I can hear his mama saying, David, you played that same song over and over. You can play that one well. Play the one that you can't play as well. Practice it. Well, I'm hitting below the belt now, aren't I? Huh? 
It's easy to play those songs that we know how to play. It's hard to play those songs that our fingers just won't obey what our mind tells them to do. Before Brother Sam played that song tonight, it was a lot of time of practice. There was a lot of times he didn't play every note. In fact, I heard just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was a time of practice. Now, here's what I want to say. Your taking piano lessons or whatever the music lesson is, is as much in the will of God as David sitting down and playing his harp before King Saul. Are you listening to me tonight? The will of God is not just the result of the work, it's the work too. It's not just the game you play, it's the practice field too. It's not just the diploma night, it's going to school on week two of 36 weeks. And the will of God is for you to give your best in school tomorrow, to give your best in school on the first day. David learned to play the harp. We look at the blessings of the will of God. Sometimes we overlook the work of the will of God. I believe when David had the ability to play a particular song, and of course David was a song or a psalm writer, I believe there was great joy. And he didn't know how God would use those songs and those psalms, not just in his day, not just in the days and the lives of the Jews that lived in those few years thereafter, but as I read Psalm 59 in a morning devotion this week and how God used that just to encourage me and to stir my heart. I wonder the first time, I wonder what it was like the first time David played that song on the harp or David sang that song. I wonder how many times a note was changed or a timing was changed or a phrase was changed. I'm saying if we're not careful, we look forward to things so much we miss the joy of the will of God today. I look forward to finishing the building, but I've decided to enjoy the journey of the construction. His time of learning to use a slingshot. That sounds fun to me. Yes, he killed a giant. We know that. And that's what we think about. We think of David and the will of God slaying the giant, the champion fighter. We think of that great story when Saul comes and nobody would fight Goliath. Goliath was the big giant and referred to as the champion. And when Saul finally agreed for David to go, he said, you'll need to use armor. And he gave him his armor. And of course, you know, Saul was a big man and he couldn't use it. He said, I've not what? I've not proven. I've not proven the armor. I tell you what he had practiced. I tell you what he had proven. He had proven the use of the slingshot. I tell you what he had proven. He had proven his time in prayer with God. I tell you what he had proven. I'm going to tell you something. Your walk with God in the morning is just as important as the day you arrive at the answer of those prayers, whether it be three weeks or three months or three years, every day in the journey is a part of the will of God. David learned to use a slingshot. May I say your days of training for work, young men, your days of training young ladies, it is important. Going to Bible college is important. I look forward to the opening of school, opening of the dorms this week. And they'll work and work their way through school, young men and young ladies alike. And uh, that, that's not something that just we have to do. It's a part of the will of God. 
I got a job at, part, at Hearts Auto Parts when I went to Tennessee Temple in the fall of 1982. They, they, they gave me a polygraph test. I'd never even heard of a polygraph test. I knew a girl named Polly, but I didn't know anything about a polygraph test. They actually hooked wires to me, and I thought, man, if I tell a lie, they're going to shock me. And I'm afraid they're going to tell me a trick, ask me a trick question that there's not a right answer, and they're going to execute me right here in this chair. And I remember my boss's name was Bill Patty. And he said, and he called me J.J., and uh, he said, J.J., you have to take a polygraph test. Everybody has to take it. And I remember going, I was an absolute nervous wreck. And, and I'd never had one before. And they asked me questions like my name, and I wondered if that was really my name or not. Mama, or if Mama lied to me, and now I'm going to lie, and I'm not going to get a job. I, I didn't know. They asked me the dumbest questions that anybody would know. And, and, uh, and so I went back, and he said, well, J.J., I'm sorry to tell you, but you failed the test. And then he said, I'm lying. You didn't. You passed the test. And I thought, you need to go take that test and see if I need to be the owner and you need to be the worker. That was 1982. That was 40 years ago this fall. 40 years ago. Now, it was will of God for me to go to class, Tennessee Temple University. It was will of God for me to learn. To learn the classes I had with Fred Appman and New Testament Survey and all the different ones that I had. I don't know if history of Western civilization with Dr. Wilson was the will of God, but they signed me up for it. <laughs> but it's also the will of God for me to walk with God in my place of work, earning my money to go to school. Five years ago, I was preaching at the National Sword of the Lord Conference, and Bill Patty died. Bill Patty was a Christian, his wife was a Christian, she had passed away a few years before, and they called and asked if I would preach his funeral. Can I tell you something? You're not going into the ministry, you're in the ministry. Your testimony at work is important right now. Young people, you ought to walk with God right now. You see, I understand that you're preparing, you're working, you're working to finish school, uh, you're working to complete college. I understand that's what your goal is, but every step in that goal is a part of the will of God. I have a preacher friend that was working to build a, a new building, their church, and they had raised money and they had raised money and they had prayed and prayed just like we have and just like we are. And uh, he told me, he said, I got a call from the fella that I had worked for in Bible college that I hadn't heard from in years. And he said, that, preacher, I heard you're building a new building. How much will it take to finish the building? He said, I told him, and he wrote a check and finished it out. You see, it is the will of God for you to go to class. Chapel is the will of God. Church is the will of God. Bus route is the will of God. But going to work is the will of God too. I believe a sports program can be a part of God's will for your life. I read of what Paul and use sports illustration in his teaching and preaching. I don't imagine Paul to be an athlete. As I understand, he was a short fella. I don't imagine he could run fast or jump far. I don't know, but he used a lot of sports, uh, 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 a lot of sports illustrations. You know, you can learn teamwork in sports. You see, the will of God is not just winning people to Christ. Uh, the will of God is learning teamwork, even on a football field or even in a basketball game. 
Can I tell you, God didn't design life to make it mostly miserable with a few blessings now and then. God designed life that I can enjoy every day of life. There's joy in the journey. I believe sports can teach us how, how to listen to a coach and the importance of listening to a coach. And one of the ways you learn to listen to a coach is when you don't listen to a coach and you embarrass yourself in front of everybody and you say the next time, if it doesn't work, it'll be the coach's fault because I'm going to do what they say do next time. You learn competition. I like competition. We've come to a day our country's become so much sissy. I don't even like competition. I like competition. I like it. Brings out the best in you. I like it. You learn how to win in sports. You learn how to lose in sports. You learn that life is not fair playing sports. You learn in a school play. You learn the importance of your part in the play. You learn working in the aftermath of a flood and helping others, understanding that one day you may be exactly where the people are that you're helping now. The will of God is not just reading the Bible, though that's the will of God. The will of God is not just winning someone to Christ, though that's in the will of God. Singing a song is uh, uh, in the will of God, but also helping a person in need. And every act and every behavior is in the will of God. And we enjoy not just life when David's on the throne. We enjoy the journey to the throne and the years after. David was in the will of God caring for the sheep. You ever cared for animals? Now the caring for sheep in those days is far different than the way they care for sheep today. I've been to places where animals <clears throat> are cared for by computers. And, and the computer gives them the food Joel's got chickens and I, he's got a thing that when the daylight goes away, the door closes to the chicken house. When I was a kid, I had to go close the door to the chicken house. That's cheating. He don't deserve to eat those eggs. There's no character building in that. I didn't mean to preach that, but I'm going to preach the will of God whether you like it or not. Was you preaching about me? Yes, but I didn't know it. Things were different, different caring for the sheep in those days. They lived with the sheep. They, they had to keep them together. And, and you think, what does caring for sheep have to do with being the king of Israel? I'll tell you what it has to do. God was teaching him in those lessons of caring for the animals that one day he would care for people. They would have many similarities. And God said, if a man is willing to lay down his life for sheep, that's the kind of fellow I want to be the king of my people that I love. You see, the king wasn't chosen from his great ability to fight and to fight a Goliath like a, 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 to fight a giant like Goliath was, but he was chosen to be king because he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep and Jesus being the same laid down his life for you and I. David no doubt learned that sheep wonder when there's no shepherd to keep them together. David learned the symptoms when the sheep are sick. He learned the importance of protecting sheep because sometimes they're dumb in their behavior. He learned the leading of sheep to good pasture land and to the still waters. 
He learned that their strength is in numbers and their weakness is one when one leaves the fold. He learned that sheep are led by their appetites and they need to have right and proper appetites to lead them in the right way. He learned that sheep have trust issues and they need to, they have to learn to trust in the voice of the shepherd. He learned that sheep are easily distracted. He learned that sheep will walk off a cliff. They get too close because of their curiosity. Or because of their dumbness, they don't see dangers and they need a shepherd. You see, what we're going through today, in the rearing of your children right now, that's the will of God too. Not just when they graduate, but right now is the will of God. Certainly David was an amazing king. He was. He led in the fight. He was a warrior before and during the fight. David was a mighty leader. David walked with God. He led the people to do the same. And David also enjoyed life as an old man. Yes, he made some unnecessary mistakes and David did sin against God. But he also knew that a just man falleth seven times and riseth again. And David got up again. He knew what it was like to lose his song and the joy of his song. But he knew what it was like to have his song and the joy of his song restored. David loved his people and his people loved him until his dying days. Two things and I'm finished. Number one, have a vision. Ask God to use you to do something in your life. No matter what your age, no matter no matter what God calls you to do, what no matter what field of service, have a vision. But second of all, don't just have a vision, enjoy the journey. I was here at the building, I believe it was Friday evening. Everyone was gone and came back to the property. I believe it was Friday evening. It may have been Saturday. Brother Rudy Davis was here. Brother Rudy Davis has been our architect from the first building, the gymnasium built in 1995 and then the auditorium on Clay's Mill Road in 1998. Rudy has lost most of his vision. They've done surgery on his eyes and they've taken the lens out of one eye and he has vision in just, just, just one eye and just, just 25%. When I pulled up, he didn't know me. And I called his name and he, he knew it was me because of my saying his name. I got out of the truck and I walked over to him. He said, Pastor, I didn't, didn't recognize you. He was walking through the building. 1995 when he drew the gymnasium and then 1996 when he drew the uh, plans for the church auditorium. I bought Rudy a cell phone. And after that building was finished, he gave it back and I said, no, keep it. Just, just keep the cell phone. He said, well, you don't have to buy me a cell phone. I said, I'll, I might need to call you sometime. I've been calling him every week since 1997 or 1996. I've been calling him. And he said, Pastor, it's been a blessing to be able to draw all the buildings and the remodeling in all the work. He said, I, and I am good with where I am today. 
And I've decided to enjoy life where I am today. And I'll tell you something, one day we'll look back and we'll realize our life is lived. And we want to live not just for one moment of time. We want to live every day, every piano practice, every sports practice, every day, every class in the will of God. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight, not just